0: I drove them nuts because right. I couldn't stop talking about the buns. Episode one twenty one is all about <laughs> it's all about the buns. God, I can't even say that with a straight face. This is Katie Kermitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from businesswomen who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. So very honored to have Cordia Harrington of the Tennessee Bun Company here with me today. Um, She started this company in 1996. As you might be thinking, it is a company who makes buns, you know, like and bread, all those things that hold hamburgers. As a matter of fact, one of her biggest clients is McDonald's. So if you have the song of, you know, like sesame seed bun in your head – That's her. She's the company who makes those buns. (laughs) Um, She's got a fascinating story as to how she positioned herself to have that company and to have McDonald's as one of her major clients. But her other clients include Sarah Lee, Perkins, Pepperidge Farms, other major brands that you know. She's a very savvy lady who's allowed $600 investment in her very first company to now build and build and snowball into this company, which is now $110 million. During this interview, she talks to us about her opinions about leadership and three major concepts that every great leader should have. And she gets in really deep about some of the most painful decisions that she's ever really had to make. So I know that you're going to love this one. So let's get rolling. Cordia, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Well, I'm excited to be with you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah. So I'm very excited to have you on the show. You have a tremendous business, and uh, I'm just so excited to be able to share with everyone the behind the scenes of how you've really grown that business. So I would like to start a little bit at the beginning, which is um, how what were you really doing before you actually started um, the Tennessee Bun Company?
1: Well, I have been a serial entrepreneur, and so my background started with uh, real estate and construction, where I was the girl that bartered for my office space and leased my desk and chair. The desk was $3 a month. The chair was $1.50 a month, and I got into the real <laughs> estate business. Um, it was sort Great. of crazy. Russellville, Arkansas, houses that were 1,800 square feet with a two-car garage sold for thirty-seven five. Believe it or not, can you imagine? Wow. And... Um, So this was back in 1981, and that real estate company grew. We were just a little bit different than everybody else. First of all, we were the only women-owned business in the state, and we took a personal pride about making the houses look great before we showed them, whether it meant painting the walls or moving the furniture, which is not uncommon today, but it was back then. And from that, I met some people that moved to town, and they bought the McDonald's franchise, and being a girl that wore my cousin's hand-me-downs, I didn't even know that was possible, to own a McDonald's. Wow. And their lifestyle was great. I mean, <laughs> they lived in a great house, and they they seemed to have time off, and um, unfortunately became a uh, single mom. I had three sons, and, you know, you know what real estate and construction is like. It's nights and weekends. Right,
0: right.
1: So with um, the, with the McDonald's, it looked to me like they had a lot of free time and they got to spend a lot of time with their family. So I was very motivated to learn about that.
0: What did it take for you to actually opt into a McDonald's franchise at that time? Because now, I mean, uh, you hear now like these really high numbers of actually being able to buy into that. (laughs) What what did that look like for you back then, and how did you make that happen? (laughs)
1: Great question. Uh, back then, the first McDonald's that I bought was a million six fifty. And if you remember, I started my real estate company with bartering for my office space and I used my entire life savings at the time, which was under six hundred dollars. So that six hundred dollars of mine had grown into a a value of about 250000 I used all of that for part of the down payment. And then I was able to borrow the additional down payment, uh, which was another 250000 from the banker that I had become very close with, Charlie Blanchard. And so I made a $500,000 down payment on a million six fifty dollars uh, restaurant, Effingham, Illinois, bought the restaurant and moved my family to another small town in the middle of central Illinois uh, so I moved from a town, Russellville, that had 10,000 people to a town in Illinois that had about 10,000 people. Wow. Um, but I, it was very scary because all of a sudden I had a very high monthly note on this McDonald's. Uh, what would be a high monthly note to you?
0: Oh man, I don't even know. Like in the real, uh, it's coming from your real estate space. I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like t- I don't know, ten thirty grand, something like that. Yeah, ten
1: ten grand would have been scary. My monthly payment was twenty seven thousand a month. Oh
0: my goodness! And I was
1: scared <laughs> to death. Wow! So I did everything I could to grow the sales, but in a town that small, it's really hard to grow sales. So. Basically, I bought a Greyhound bus franchise, put it on the corner of my parking lot, and then I had 88 buses a day stopping. And and, and from there, my sales grew like crazy. That's a good Um, idea. Well, thank you. It worked. (laughs) Because everybody, get off the bus, buy food, get back on the bus, because the buses went anywhere in the United States, north or south, east or west. They have to travel past Effingham, believe it or not. So we really got, um, got a real big boost in sales. But have you ever worked in the real, in the uh, restaurant business? Yes, I business? have. Oh, yes. Okay. Your feet hurt all the time. Yes. <laughs> Your average age employee is 16 or 17 years old. And even though I was growing that business, I built two more McDonald's. It was, I was never satisfied that things were working great all the time. If I wasn't there, I felt like there was something missing. So I was still looking for quality of life.
0: So, and, mu- so much for that and, original viewpoint of you know oh nights and weekends mm-hmm. off time with the family. Oh right,
1: <laughs> that was the biggest joke. When I tell that in front of restaurant uh, restaurant employees, they just cackle because <laughs> there is nothing off at any time. Right. I have the highest respect for restaurant r- workers and and those that uh, own them because it is a life. It is there is no off time. No,
0: I have to uh, ask this: it has, what is what is so? cuz you know i've never known anyone personally who's actually owned a McDonald's franchise and it's such a huge yes. huge thing and it's so such a respected business model what is it really like like what is one of the things oh that you really really learned that was so specific to owning a, a McDonald's well, franchise
1: first of all before you can ever own one you have to work in one for 2200 hours over a 2 year period of time wow. for free to learn every position, every piece of equipment, every system, because they only want success. So if you get lucky enough to get in their registered applicant program, they train you to... You know, we can read the books. Ten thousand hours is what it takes to be an expert in anything. Well, they're going to do their best to make sure you're an expert before they give you the keys to the door. Because they don't just want people with money. They want people with passion and people that are going to, I mean, your reputation's on the line. Everything you, every bit of financial net worth is on the line when you buy one. So they want it to work for you. And they're great about training. And I will tell you today, uh, no matter what business you might be in. If you get lucky enough to go through that training program with McDonald's, you can be outstanding in any business that you do. Wow. So the training, the training on discipline, the training on training, the training on training other people, the training on setting up uh, sales systems and the computers and the equipment and the high standards on, they just do not compromise on any quality, on any standards, on any ingredients. They just go the best. And, um, I often tell them that they don't tell their story good enough to the public because in in the baking industry, which I'm in today, when I went and called on Pepperidge Farm, this has been 10 years ago, and I said, you know, I would really like to handle some of your products, and they said back to me, we know you can meet and exceed our standards because if you're doing that for McDonald's, we know we'll be happy with you. Wow. They are looked to be the best in industry for any product that they they use. So it's 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 just it's a wonderful training. And um, and then you get a lot of support through the months and whether it's in growing your sales or whether it's in training your people, McDonald's just does an outstanding job of supporting their owner-operators.
0: That's amazing. So how did you go from owning these franchises to now saying, okay, now I'm going to open, you know, a bakery, a bread company?
1: Well, that was also a funny story. I was the only woman operator in my co-op advertising group. And as a joke, the men in my co-op Nominated me for the bun committee. <laughs>
0: uh, Best buns in the city. Right?
1: <laughs> story, yeah, yeah. And uh, I would go to those meetings, and of course, I lived in my restaurants. I was there morning, noon, and night. And the only time I really left town or went away was to go to these bun meetings, and I would come back there and be so excited about sesame seeds in Guatemala and flour prices in Russia <laughs> and global supply chain, and they would just go, "Okay, zip it, enough. We don't need to hear anymore." You know, they just—they I drove them nuts because mm-hmm. I couldn't stop talking about the buns. But that job was to audit bakeries that were serving the owner operators, and so I—I I walked into a situation where you have these beautiful facilities with high speed equipment. I mean lots of funds coming off the line and only seven employees in there and i would look around and go oh my gosh wouldn't this be great you get to own this factory and you get to pay people well to work for you and very little turnover i mean i got so excited about that and uh... then a few years later i learned that mcdonald's was was looking to grow their diversity supply chain and they were wanting to expand and have a woman be a dedicated supplier and I just knew that was me I knew it was of course they didn't figure it out that quick it (laughs) took them four years they interviewed me 31 times no they told me no 31 times yes that's (laughs) finally 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 they said yes and that's when I got the chance to build my first bakery in Tennessee
0: now, what did it take? Because, I mean, you you are seeming to have a very interesting history of going from one industry, jumping into a completely different industry. And yes, business is business. I totally get that. But there's there's something very specific about real estate, about, you know, um, food and re- retail food, and now in manufacturing of food. So what were some of those major lessons that you learned that were maybe a little painful for you to learn in the very beginning of <laughs> moving into this new company?
1: Well, you do not have the time to hear all the painful lessons I've <laughs> learned because I have made every possible mistake on the planet. But I will, what I'd rather focus on is what they've got in common. And I think what they've got in common is people. And I think that if we understand that business is really about people and about serving people, um, we've, all, I've always taken the philosophy that if I take care of the people that work for me, they'll take care of our customers. Mm. And we, you know, I start I started that in real estate and then in the restaurant business. Um, I wasn't an operator that paid minimum wage to my employees. Instead, I, I started a dollar higher than minimum wage. I always felt like that if I took care of the employees, they would take care of the customers and we still operate under that philosophy today. Wow! Just just had a meeting yesterday. We just bought a bakery, and um, the you know the meeting yesterday was about. I said, okay, we need to raise everybody's pay, and they're going. Oh, can we afford it? I said, we can't afford not to. We need to send the message to those people that we're going to take care of them, and so I believe that no matter what business any person's in, if they really focus on the people that are. Uh, producing the product or serving their customers, and they take care of those people, then those people will take care of their customers
0: Well, Cordia, I, I think that's a perfect opportunity to talk about your leadership style and who you are as a leader. It's something I know you're very passionate about. but um, you know what can you describe a little bit about maybe how you are a leader and how that's filtered down and affected your companies?
1: Um, I'm very transparent, and I try to offer very uh, very good clarity about what we're, where we're trying to go. Um, three years ago, I hired a president to come in and run my bakeries. And he'd run the 27 bakeries of Sarah Lee. And he was um, interested in coming into an operation where he can make a difference. I said, okay, you have two goals. One is double the business. And number two is create a strong succession plan. And I'd like that done in three years. And we com- we completed that in less than three years. Wow. So it's, uh, in my opinion, as a leader, we have three things we need to do. One is give clarity, and and uh, with all the people we've hired with this new plant, we're trying to say we want to reward you and promote excellence, and we want to be an industry leader, and we're going to do that by serving quality, uh, and having passionate people and uh, qu- passionate people and quality products. And then I think the, uh, so I, I've got to define the path where we're going to go right. and give them the chance to execute. And in order for them to execute at the highest level, I believe the second thing would be, um, you know, which I mentioned earlier, is transparency. I really encourage and expect open um, conversations. I encourage disagreement. I want the unvarnished truth. They're welcome to tell me when I screw up, and I already have. We've only owned that plant ten days, and already made a mistake. So uh, anyway, um, I think that that's important, and and then reward. And we are really f- big on reward. We try to pay better than fair wages, and and give everybody a chance to share in success. Two years ago, we exceeded our uh, goals for budgets. And, uh, company-wide by a lot. And so we gave them a full bonus, but then we also took a fair percentage of the extra profit and divvy that out unexpectedly. And I got a chance in one day to hand out about $556,000 in extra bonuses Whoa. to our employees.
0: Come on, so, that's awesome. So whether it's putting
1: a bow around a car and giving it to an employee or whether it's sending them on a trip to St. Thomas or whether it's giving them extra cash, you know, we think it's fun to share. And, and those are my happiest days when we, we all win and we all succeed together.
0: I love that. Now, throughout this time, I really, I know, you know, part of being such a great leader and being a really great businesswoman is having to make decisions. Can you go back to maybe one of the hardest decisions that you've ever had to make? I know there's been a lot of them, but maybe one of the hardest. Yeah, oh boy. Okay, go. I can tell you that it's recent. (laughs)
1: Um, I had a very um, special person. um, very, very special person to me that um, had gone through alcohol rehab six years ago and a, a just a superstar in my opinion and we went through the we went through the helping them go through the the um, rehab and getting back on their feet and going through the process of losing their Marriage at the time and, and it, it came back a changed person. And, um, and through that, I said, I will help you and we will grow together. And, you know, not only will I help you, I will, I will, over the next years, I started a small business, a, a separate, a separate bakery than the ones that you're aware of. And I said, over the next five years, I'll gift you 20% per year of the wow. business, but I'll keep one share as long as you stay sober. You got it. But if you don't, then, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry. It'll be over, you know. And um, they did great for six years. And this Mother's Day this past year, uh, the spouse came to my house and said, this person's in detox. And I was horrified. I was devastated. I didn't see it coming. Apparently, they had gone back to drinking a year ago and were missing work and having employees lie to me about it. And to make a long story short, I not only terminated them, but then I proceeded to buy back the 99% of the shares that I'd given them. And and it was the hardest thing. I, I'm talking about it calmly now, but I have cried more over that over the summer because, first of all, I didn't believe there would ever be a relapse, number one. Number two, I just can't believe they lied to me for a year. Right. And, and then and, and thirdly, they had employees lying to me. And so I felt totally betrayed. They feel totally betrayed that I didn't give them another second chance. So it's just been the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But what message would I've sent the rest of my employees if I'd said, "Okay, you know, go to detox again, go to rehab again"? You know, you can't have a senior leader not keeping uh, appropriate um, standards. You 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 can't. And and so there wasn't any. I didn't feel like I had a choice. I felt like I had to dismiss them, and and I hate it. Because nobody's perfect and, and it's a very hard thing as a leader to walk that line between what's appropriate, what's fair, how do you help people and encourage them, and then how do you handle it when they really screw up. So. It's it's a it's a very hard thing to do as a leader and and that's pretty much a, an extreme example. I mean, I've got plenty more, but most of the, the times that I think are the hardest is when you're dealing with people and taking away their opportunity. It's a blast to give them opportunities, but it's really hard when for the good of the business you have to take opportunities away from people.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh man, that's really tough. Um I want to uh, want to ask you really one of the, our final questions, which is, where do you see this business going? What what is your big vision with it?
1: We're going to double in the next three years, and and I think that if we can maintain that size, I believe that that is a good size to be able to still affect the customers and our employees to still be able to make a difference and it not to be a big bureaucracy. Um, I think that'll be a good place to be. Um, I think the business will also be of the scale that we can have, continue to have outstanding professional leadership. So the family can own the business, but we can have the real professionals running it. And we can, we can be a part of the fun things like meeting the customers and, um, you know, doing things for the employees without having to be involved in the real nitty gritty of the everyday operations.
0: Right, right. Um I want to go ahead and conclude with our favorite 5. I did not prep you before this by the way. So I'm going to ask oh boy. you 5 of your favorite whatever's and you just give me the answer according to the first thing that pops in your mind, okay? five uh, having to do with business? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, some and some are not. So, like, for example, the first question is, what is your favorite book? It can be a business book. It could be any kind of book. Oh,
1: okay, 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 good. I thought your favorite, but well, that's wide open. <laughs> 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 okay, Um Okay, my first question is what, my, what is my favorite book? Yeah. Well, I read um, three to four books a week. Wow. So usually my favorite book is the favorite book I'm reading now. The most powerful new business book that I've just read is called Reciprocity. And it's the way the, the futurists are describing how we'll be doing business in the next 10 years. Reciprocity is wow, fabulous.
0: Very, I've never heard of that one. I've got to get that one.
1: Yeah, it's brand new. Just on the bookshelves.
0: Um, how about your favorite business tool, something that makes, or an app, or anything that makes your life a little easier?
1: <laughs> well, it has to be my iPhone 6. I mean, it's part of my body. It's, you know, it's hooked to me right now. You know, I, I mean, you know, whether it's texting or emailing or or showing pictures of people or things, it's my iPhone 6.
0: I think I need to have Apple sponsor this show because I cannot tell you how many people actually give me that answer. <laughs>
1: Oh, boy. Well, it's true. I know.
0: Um, Okay, how about your favorite item on McDonald's menu?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, there's so many, but I love the regular cheeseburger, and I probably eat it four times a week.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay, number four, what is your favorite way to spoil yourself?
1: Oh, travel.
0: Well, and actually that leads me to number five, which is where is your favorite place to travel to?
1: the Maldives have you ever been oh, there
0: no I've seen tons, Ew, tons of pictures though
1: wet your pants it's the <laughs> most awesome place on the planet and uh got to spend a month there last year love it it's my sixth trip can't wait to go back there it's heaven it's fabulous
0: nice all right got to put that one on my list Cordia, thank you so much for spending the time here with me today and for a really, uh, you know, just letting us know a little bit more about your journey and about your business story. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks so much. Have a have a blessed day.
0: bizwomenrock.com forward slash 121 is where you'll find all the show notes for this conversation today. And I highly recommend you go there because I do always extract out some of the best quotes and my goodness, Cordia had some great quotes that you can just really take. They're beautiful nuggets, and I guarantee you're going to be inspired and educated by them. Anyway, um, you know, there were so many great takeaways in that conversation. Um, I I think one of the biggest things that really struck me that she kind of just glazed over You didn't really get into it too much was the fact that business was not going so well at her uh, McDonald's when she first got it. So she bought... A greyhound, so that they could actually make the stop there at her place. Like she owned her own marketing. That's really what I want to get across. She owned the destiny of her own marketing. So instead of saying, oh, no one's coming here, there's only 10,000 people in the town, and just kind of giving up, I mean, she went out and made it happen. I literally drove traffic to her business, which I just thought was brilliant. And obviously, uh, the fact that you know she's such a tremendous leader, I don't, I don't think we actually said this number in the interview, but she manages 550 people who are part of her team. So when this woman has something to say about what it really takes to, you know, uh, have a really great culture, have a lot of happy people working for you, doing happy things, and making customers happy, you know, I'm, I'm gonna listen. So. Anyway, I hope you really enjoyed it today. I hope you got some really great things that inspired you and can uh, be useful for you in your journey. Thank you so much for being here. Can't wait to see you on the next show. Did you hear that fact that she told me I would totally wet my pants if I went to the Maldives? I don't know if I laughed too hard over that, but I definitely heard that.